He is the creator and sustainer of all the worlds, whether those worlds are known or unknown to mankind. unclouded by hate does that wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice hello everyone my name is charlie you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer c.e dorset and today we're continuing our study on the prophet by Khalil gibran the book is now in the public domain so if you want to follow along with me just do a quick search and you should be able to find a copy of it i'm actually reading from one from project gutenberg today we will be picking up with the chapter on laws which is fitting, because yesterday we talked about crime and punishment. Beginning with the text. Then a lawyer said, But of what are laws? Let me say that again, sorry. Then a lawyer said, But what of our laws, master? And he said, You delight in laying down laws, yet you delight more in breaking them. Like children playing by the ocean who build sand towers with consistency and then destroy them with laughter. But while you build your sand towers, the ocean brings more sand to the shore. And then you destroy them. The ocean laughs with you. Verily, the ocean laughs always with the innocent. Okay, I I really like this example that he gives here, because so often when we think of law, we go back to the Ten Commandments and Moses, or to the Code of Hammurabi, or to the way that laws were handled in ancient Egypt, and talk about them being carved in stone. But the prophet, in his wisdom, tells us that laws are like a sandcastle. We build them up, and then we delight in breaking them. And we do. Laws are like the rules to a game. And anytime rules are made, the first thing you do is try to find ways to bend them, to get around them, to circumvent them, to find the advantage in them. And this is where the law and its systems need to be managed carefully. Because like children at play, We build these edifices of sand, and we think of them as strong, and whether we knock them down, or the ocean comes and devours them, they will inevitably fall down. Nothing is permanent, nothing lasts forever, not even the laws that we build. And as we talked a lot about in the previous episode, the systems that we construct via these laws is often not the most just system that we can have. In fact, in the constructing of these rules, in the building of these laws, as we make our sand castles, we often work the law to our own advantage. And by our own advantage, I mean whoever has the power, the money, the influence. They are the ones that will always twist the laws to advantage them more. 
This is why, in 2017, over a trillion dollars could be given away to the richest 1% in the country. Because they had the money to pay the politicians to get their, their money back. And so the millions and millions of dollars that they spent to buy the politicians was paid back in with a trillion dollars. A trillion dollars. The return on investment there, we're talking about over, what, $10,000 per dollar spent? That's a pretty good return on investment. And here we are, making life easier for those who have rigged the system through their influence, because they have said where the sand should go. And they bar off those who do not have the wealth to make access, to get it, gain access. They coerce others to say that money is speech, and that corporations are people, so that they will have the power and the influence to do what they need to do. The prophet here reminds us that in all things we need to look at these laws as made of sand. They are things that can be changed. We can make a more just, more perfect world. It is within our power to do. And we should never rest on our laurels and say that we have done it. This is the problem that we had with the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, is they were passed, and we sat down as a country and said, well, we did it. It's over. And racism persisted, and gerrymandering persisted, and attempts to keep people from voting persisted. And now the Voting Rights Act is gone. The Civil Rights Act is under threat. Oh, but we had a black president, so it's all good, it's all good. No, that ocean is coming to eat the sandcastle, and most of it is already gone. We think... Laws are permanent. We think that they bring change. But it's always, always important for us to remember that Immanuel Kant was wrong. To know the good is not to do the good. To do the good is to know the good. He was exactly opposite of right. Returning to the text. But what of those to whom life is not an ocean? And man-made laws are not sand towers but to whom life is a rock, and the law a chisel, which, with which they would carve it in their own likeness. What of the cripple who hates dancers? What of the ox who loves his yoke and deems the elk and deer of the forest stray and vagrant things? What of the old serpent who cannot shed his skin, and calls others naked and shameless? What of him who comes early to the wedding feast, and when overfed and tired, goes his way saying that all feasts are violations, and all feasters lawbreakers? Ugh. These are the very people that we talked about. The one who cannot dance, who hates dancers. And so, unlike the nature of law, which is to be a sandcastle that can be changed, it is a rock. It is a chisel. It seeks to destroy, to tear down. This is a problem. 
We see this so often with preachers who rail against same-sex relations, only later to be discovered participating in them covertly. We see this in preachers who proclaim their own virtue and despise the vice of others, who keep getting caught with drugs and prostitutes, cheating on their spouses. Jesus quite rightly said that we should be careful pointing out the moat in our brother's eye while ignoring the beam in our own. This is a basic problem of human nature. And it's one that becomes even more dangerous when we talk about law. For all of those people who have been closeted for so long, the idea that people should be out is abhorrent to them. They've had to crush their own nature. Why should others be free? And so the law becomes a chisel against the minority. What of those who have lived without? And this is where it becomes even more insidious and more problematic. Those who have done without and scrimped and scraped and suffered for so long, and they look to the law and say it should make others have to suffer like they did. Mm. Returning to the text. What shall I say of these save that they too stand in the sunlight, but with their backs to the sun. They see only their shadows, and their shadows are their laws. And what is the sun to them but a caster of shadows? And what is it to acknowledge the laws but to stoop down and trace their shadow upon the earth? But you who walk facing the sun, what images drawn on the earth can hold you? You who travel with the wind, what weather vane shall direct your course? And what man's law shall bind you if you break your yoke? but upon no man's prison door. What laws shall you fear if you dance, but stumble against man's iron chains? And who is he that shall bring you to judgment if you tear off your garment and leave it in no man's path? This is such a beautiful and profound way to see this because the people that we are talking about are those who do cast their own shadow on the ground, trace it, and call it law. Well, I've had to live this way. Well, I've been this way my entire life. I don't use those kinds of words, and so no one should ever use those kinds of words either. Well, historically, the reason you don't use those kinds of words is because they descended from Welsh or Irish or Scots or Scottish Gaelic. And they were seen as beyond the pale. They were something that good British people didn't say. And so that racism made them into foul language. They made them a curse. 
And so all these years later, that racism is so baked into us that we hear certain words and we think to ourselves, oh, that's foul language. No. Those are words. But we forget the racism that inspired us to call these things foul language. And thus only the foulness remains. And the disgust. And since you're a person that doesn't use them, why should anybody be allowed to use them either? I don't live my life that way. Why should anybody else be allowed to live their lives that way? These are not the words of freedom. The prophet ends this chapter by saying, People of Orphalese, you can muffle the drum, and you can loosen the strings of the lyre. But who can command the skylark not to sing? And that is the message we all should be taking from this chapter. There are certain things that are so natural to us. There are certain things that are innate to our character and how we are. And just because those things are not innate in you, doesn't mean that they should be banned in others. An elephant cannot sing as the lark sings. Their voice cannot reach those notes. So should the elephant be able to tell the lark that it cannot sing? The elephant cannot fly, so should it tell all the birds that they should walk upon the ground? Or should the birds condemn those who cannot fly? The beautiful thing about our world is that each and every one of us has its own talents, our own abilities, our own graces born within our spirits that lift us up and give us the ability to be ourselves, free and unfettered in this world. You should not hate the fish because you cannot breathe underwater, and the fish should not hate you because they cannot breathe in the air. It is important for us to see that those things that harm none are not things that should be illegal. Just because you stare at your shadow all day doesn't mean there isn't a sun. The sun is not the bringer of shadows. Turn around, turn around, my sisters and brothers, if any of you feel this way that you should impose your life or your lifestyle on others. We should all be free to be who we are, and we should not condemn others for being who they are. We shouldn't say, how dare you make me have to know that you are the way that you are. No, in this world, we should be free. And that's a topic we're going to talk about a lot more after the break. And we're back. Let's continue, shall we? The prophet continues with a chapter on freedom. And an orator said, Speak to us of freedom. And he answered, At the city gates and by your fireside, I have seen you prostrate yourself and worship your own freedom. Even as slaves humble themselves before a tyrant and praise him, through though he slay them. 
I, in the groves of the temple and in the shadows of the citadel, I have seen the freest among you wear their freedom as a yoke and a handcuff. And my heart bled within me, for you can only be free when even the desire of seeking freedom becomes a harness to you. And when you cease to speak of freedom as a goal and a fulfillment. Oh, wait a minute. Freedom can be bondage? What, what, what does that mean? Think of how many people in the name of tyranny speak of freedom. In fact, I cannot think of a tyrant throughout the world who hasn't wrapped up what they are saying in the language of freedom and claiming that they are bringing more freedom to their people. We have to be careful that we serve none in this world but God. If we are serving freedom, then we are as much a slave to it as to anything else. Let's continue in the text and see what the prophet has to say. You shall be free indeed when your days are not without a care, nor your nights without a want and a grief, but rather when these things girdle your life, and yet you rise above them naked and unbound. Oh, 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 I get it now. Do you get it? Do you see it in the text here? You see, when anything holds us, we are enslaved to it. We are chained to it. We are fettered to it. But when we learn to free, as Meister Eckhart said, the greatest leave-taking in this world is leaving God for God. When we learn to let go of these preconceived notions and these idols made of stone and wood and clay and words and thoughts and ideas and notions, when we learn to dance in that freedom, when we can rise up and be naked and unbound by the things that are around us. That is true freedom. You see, a free person isn't somebody who has to build walls around themselves so that they feel safe and secure. A free person is not one who has to limit the actions of others so that they can feel secure. Those things may be necessary for public safety, but safety and freedom are always in opposition to each other. And true freedom, true absolute freedom, is a state of mind. It's one that we experience in meditation. It's one that we taste in those beautiful moments of devotional prayer. It's one of those things that we learn in our spiritual practice and thus desire to bring and manifest into our lives. It's one of those things that people often confuse me for. They think that I am a free spirit, but I'm not a free spirit. I'm actually quite a controlled and moderated type of person. The difference is, my spirit is free. I am not fettered or chained by the many things that try to hold me down. Not because I am greater than them, but because I see them for what they are. They are rules that are appropriate when they are appropriate. But they do not hold me, they do not chain me, they do not hold any sway over my being. For my being is created free and in the image of God, just as yours is. And when you learn to dance, that sweet dance, 
in your own heart, far above the cares and concerns that try to hold you down, then, and only then, are you truly free. Because care and grief and want will always be with you, as long as you toil under the sun. But it is in discovering true peace that we rise up. Peace I give you, Jesus said, but not as the world gives. Well, why not as the world gives? Because the way the world gives us peace is to give us some time off, some ease, a moment of freedom, a vacation maybe. Ah, but that's not the peace that we get from the Lord. The peace that we get from the Lord is when we realize that we are free in this life. We can rise above it. Our joy and our sorrow are not bound to what happens in this material world. It may feel like it sometimes. We are blessed to live in our spiritual selves above the cares and concerns that try to hold us down, that want to entrap and to snare us. Continuing from the text. And how shall you rise beyond your days and nights unless you break the chains which you, at the dawn of your understanding, have fastened around your noon hour? In truth, that which you call freedom is the strongest of these chains, through its, though its links glitter in the sun and dazzle in your eyes. Oh, how true. Because freedom, as we discuss so often, is a questing beast. It is something we will strive for all of our lives. No matter how much we think we have freed people who are oppressed, our vision widens and we see more oppression than we had seen before. And this can be daunting and this can hold us down and this desire, this lust for freedom can blind us to all other things. In some, it gets so loathsome that they desire to be controlling and to take away from others their basic agency as people so that they can have their definition of freedom. Uh, dark and strange these days are and have been and will always be. Continuing from the text. And what is it but fragments of yourself you would discard, that you may become free. If it, is un if it is an unjust law, you would abolish. That law was written with your own hand upon your own forehead. You cannot erase it by burning your law books or by washing the foreheads of your judges. Though you pour the sea upon them. And if it is a despot you would dethrone, see first that his throne erected within you is destroyed. For how can a tyrant rule the free and the proud, but for a tyranny in their own freedom and a shame in their own pride? And if it is a care 
you would cast off. That care has been chosen by you rather than imposed upon you. And if it is a fear that you would dispel, the seat of that fear is in your heart and not in the hand of the feared. Mm. So true and so powerful. And we often rail against the unjust laws. But it doesn't affect anything to just change the law. And this is what people don't understand. Yes, gay marriage is legal now. Yes, the Civil Rights Act passed. Yes, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments exist. Yes. But they didn't change anything. It doesn't matter who has the right to vote if that vote is not exercised and if others are allowed to find ways to discriminate against them. You see, the culture The society must change. The hearts must change. And if we don't change the heart, but only the law, then that foulness that we saw in the law that needed changing will ever be there. And it will push against us. We see this in modern day America, where we pass the Civil Rights Act. So it's done, right? We passed the Voting Rights Act. So it's done, right? But no, the culture we did not change. Our hearts we did not change. And so all it takes is a demagogue willing to be sufficiently racist. And there goes the world. There goes the country in that way. Because you have to change your heart. You have to change your culture. You have to change your society. You have to dethrone the tyrant within Or it doesn't matter if you dethrone the tyrant without. And this is so powerful and pronounced. We overthrew King George III, and then so many wanted to create King George I. They wanted to name George Washington King. And luckily for us, by the grace of God, he was a wise man who chose not to accept the crown though so many would have. And this freedom that we sought, we almost gave away. And continuously, we strive to retain any semblance of that freedom. Many a tyrant king has reigned over us. From President Andrew Jackson, who was a great tyrant, who did terrible things by fiat, and who ruled this country in villainy. The harsh nature of Woodrow Wilson. And even FDR to a certain extent. We've had many tyrants, from Reagan to W. And the party doesn't matter, because we've had them in both parties. The time period doesn't matter, because... We've had them throughout our history. What matters is that that tyrant still rules within our heart. And we have not yet risen up in the true name and nature of freedom to say that we are a people that do not need to be governed by tyrants. And until we do that, we will never 
truly overthrow tyranny in this nation. Continuing from the text, Verily, all things move within your being in constant half-embrace. The desired and the dreaded, the repugnant and the cherished, the pursued and that which you would escape. These things move within you as lights and shadows in pairs that cling. And when the shadow fades and is no more, the light that lingers becomes a shadow to another light. And thus your freedom, when it loses its fetters, becomes itself a fetter of a greater freedom. And that, my friends, is the great lesson that we need to learn. Every letting go shows us something else that we need to let go. And until we find the strength within us to continue that process of letting go and letting be, new chains will find their way upon us. So rise up, my sisters and brothers. Rise up above whatever is holding you down. Above the cares and concerns. Above the grief and the sorrow. Above the urges to create. Rise above all things. Do not make a chain of the new freedom that you find. It will always try to entrap you. But continually and constantly push beyond. And in so doing you will find freedom beyond your heart's imagining. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you did, and the app that you are listening to me on allows you to rate either this episode or this podcast in general, please do that. That helps me a lot. That tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. If you got a buck you can throw my way, either click the link, the button that says support or in the show notes, the link that says support on anchor. That helps out a lot. If you don't have the money, I'm fine with that. That's okay. I completely understand. But please pray for me. Your prayers really do work wonders, and that helps out a lot. And if you can think of somebody that you think would benefit from this show, or that might even enjoy it, please share it with them. If you'd like to send me a message, download the Anchor app and click the voice message button. You can send up to a one-minute message. I love getting those. If you want to connect with me on Twitter, it's probably the best place. I'm Wisdom Cries Out on there, but you can find links to all my social media over at wisdomscry.com. I hope you've enjoyed this series. And until next time, may God bless you and keep you ever growing in wisdom and compassion. Amen. <laughs>